Hi everyone, co-host Luke here with something of a Michael and Us first. This will be a solo episode conceived and presented by me, dedicated not to a film or otherwise visual object, but instead to music, and in fact, motivated by a specific piece of music, that being a roughly 24-minute composition called Adam Hart Mother, originally recorded in 1970, and occupying the whole of Side A on the Pink Floyd album of the same name. So what gives? Uh, Why dedicate a whole episode to one track featured on a Pink Floyd album more than 50 years ago? As with some of what we do on this podcast, there is admittedly something of a personal component here. I've loved the piece uh, and the album on which it appears since I first discovered them as a teenager. It's a half LP's worth of what you might crudely call symphonic rock that is incredibly beautiful and compelling, and in many ways I think defies generic categorization. Again and again, I've found myself coming back to this strange, wonderful, and idiosyncratic composition. Uh, And if it weren't an implicit breach of the morbid etiquette expected on such occasions, it's one among only a handful of pieces to which I could honestly assign the old cliché, I'd want that played at my funeral. Or, if you're a British listener, uh, this one would probably be one I'd include on my Desert Island Discs. Uh, So we'll dive in shortly, but before we do that, I'd like to get just a few production notes out of the way. This episode is obviously going to be a little different than some of our usual ones. I'm going to begin by talking about the origins, history, and prehistory of Adam Hart Mother and situate it a bit for you within the wider corpus of Pink Floyd. Uh, Then you're going to hear a conversation between myself and the artist, musician, poet, and composer Ron Giesen. Throughout the whole of this episode, the conversation with my guest included, you're going to hear various songs and pieces of music mentioned or referenced, uh, some of which might be unfamiliar. I'm going to include as much actual music, bits and pieces of it here and there, as copyright will allow. But there is also an extensive playlist I've curated to accompany this episode that you'll find in the show notes. As for Adam Hartmother itself, uh, you'll hear little chunks of various versions and incarnations of it throughout, but at the very end, you'll find a 2012 performance of the whole piece in full. Off the top, I want to say a very special thanks to my guest Ron Giesen, and also to director Tom McInnes for kindly sharing his excellent 2015 documentary, Ron Giesen, An Improvised Life With Me, ahead of this episode's production. To come back to my guest... Ron was born in Ayrshire, Scotland in 1943 and grew up in Lanarkshire, south of Glasgow. His body of work is quite extensive. He scored a number of films, among them John Schlesinger's Sunday Bloody Sunday in 1971, Ghost Story in 1974, Sword of the Valiant in 1984, and The Girl in the Picture in 1985. In June 1967, he released his own debut album, A Raise of Eyebrows, with Transatlantic Records. There have been many more since, and he's open for bands that include Genesis and The Who. He's also the author of a two-volume history of the adjustable spanner and of 2013's The Flaming Cow, which documents in exquisite detail and with great humor the events surrounding the creation of Adam Hart Mother. The Flaming Cow was recently republished in paperback, and if you want to read about all of this in greater detail, be sure to pick it up. There will be a link in the show notes. Turning back in time, in 1970, having made the acquaintance of drummer Nick Mason several years prior, and through him the other members of Pink Floyd, bassist Roger Waters, keyboardist Rick Wright, and guitarist Dave Gilmore, the band handed Ron a rough tape they'd compiled at Abbey Road Studios. It was labeled simply Epic, and it was based on a work-in-progress piece called The Amazing Pudding they'd been workshopping and experimenting with live earlier in the year. 
That tape came accompanied with an auspicious but rather open-ended instruction, quote, to do something big. Throughout the ensuing months, the pudding would be stirred, further ingredients would be added, and the proverbial atomic heart would begin to beat. From an impressionistic sketch consisting of a basic chord structure and several disparate parts, a sweeping and ambitious musical suite in six movements would soon emerge under a new name. This is the story of Adam Hart Mother by Pink Floyd and Ron Giesen. Pink Floyd turned very quickly, especially after Sid Barrett left to soundtracks, as I understand, because, you know, they really couldn't write these sort of three minute radio friendly singles. Oddly enough, Sid Barrett, despite being very um, you know experimental and, and, and out there, was able to do that. And it seems like the rest of them couldn't. They're also doing sort of tape effects and things like that. You can hear them on Umagama. But by the time they're developing Adam Hart Mother and they bring you in on that, you know, sort of really breaking from the shackles of these three minute sort of radio friendly tracks. And they bring you in. And as I understand the sequence of events, they give you a tape that is simply labeled Epic that had been compiled at Abbey Road Studios. And they asked you to score it. This was some sort of backing track, I suppose. And you were given the, I'm sure, extremely helpful and precise command to do something big with it. <laughs> so what happened then? I mean, what what was this tape and and what did you do with it? Well, it, it's it's obviously all in the book, but I can t- I can put that down to they were doing a piece, a very rough, wandering piece, long piece called "Amazing Pudding" or "The Amazing Pudding," which was just what it it was. It wasn't so amazing; it was just a pudding, really. <laughs> they were doing that in performance, and they they thought that that would might make a good side of the next album. And they were being pushed to get the next album out because they, the, the Steve O'Rourke, the manager, and EMI could see that they were a hot group. They were going to make it <laughs> growing fast. So they laid out this the skeleton of the, uh, the amazing pudding in the in Abbey Road Studios on, on multi track, but they couldn't progress it, and they got stuck. And Roger and Nick came to me. And, <laughs> They, they didn't come to me. We would have been sitting around a dinner table, possibly at Roger Waters or at Nick Mason's, because you said they had an evening meal, you know. And I said, we've got this tape, and maybe you could do something with it. You could, you know, get in on it, Ron. And so they brought the tape round, or one of them did. I mean, we could possibly Roger might have been coming round to because we we played golf occasionally. And he'd pick me up in his mini. And the tape was a backing track. You know, it had all the it had all the, the chords, obviously, all the the bass, the drums, and organ, and some Dave Gilmore, some parts he put in the, the, the solos were there, which I don't think he changed. He might have changed bits late afterwards. And then I, I had discussions with Steve O'Rourke, the manager, about what forces could we have. It, oh, I said, well, we're on a budget, Ron. Said, you know, we can only have this and that. And we, so we finally agreed at 10 brass, 20 choir and a solo cello. That was going to be affordable. It was down to, you know, these are constrictions. And, and all art has to have constrictions anyway. It's got to have a framework, got to have a border somewhere. And then they left me with the tape. They left for... Uh, 
for America to do another a little tour. I, mean, I don't know if it was the first tour. It might have been the first. So all I had was a tape and an, an hour or two discussion with Rick and Dave. And I have to point out that he was always Dave then, not David. But then right. he, he got to a point where he had, if you didn't, if you called him Dave, he'd, he'd walk away. <laughs> that was very amusing. All right. So I had to start by analysing the chords. What were the chords? What key were we in here? Are we, is this E minor or, or F minor or what? So I had to write out all the chords. So that was making the map. I had to make a map. And then we we, we kind of knew roughly, they wanted a, a choir sequence roughly where they used to do a kind of wandering ethereal voice duet 